You have reached Minions and Musings. Please hold. Your call is important to us. Back with another one of those block rockin' beats. Hey, it's Evil Jeff back behind the mic once again. Yes, it has been quite some time. I have been relaxed. Unfortunately, life reared its ugly head and jumped up all over me and uh, took away desire to do any podcasting and then just other things that were preventing any useful uh, use of my time to do this. So it's been a minute, but I finally said, you know what, I need to get back into it, go hide myself in a room, maybe do a recording here and there, and let's finish up because I've got lots of call-ins that have been sitting around for quite some time so let's get them out of the way and so we don't have to worry about it so this is a variety of calls that I've collected over the last more than month now uh, and we will start off with oh brother Jason yes Jason calling in finally giving an example of a critical failure or a fumble in literature, or did he? Before I forget, the example I'm thinking of, of course, comes from Dr. No, the first James Bond novel by Ian Fleming, where James Bond has to switch sidearms because his beloved Breda 25, that had the silencer, he fumbled on a draw which caused him a problem. And in fact, it was such an egregious issue that his chain of command, M, his boss, forced him to change weapons, which, of course, brings in Q, uh, Major Boothroyd. Damn it, I should know this. I should have looked this up, but I'm outside throwing the ball with dogs. Anyway, Q gives him the 32 caliber PPK that hits like a brick through a plate glass window, which, you know, I... I guess in England, small caliber is more impressive. Although, you know, that's funny because England kept the 455 Webley for a long time. Anyhow, but that's my example from literature. And, you know, I, I think it's no question it was obviously a big deal, a big failure if his boss got involved and said, no, you can't use that weapon anymore. So there you go. James Bond, Ian Fleming, which we know that, well, it's not so much D&D sword and sorcery, obviously influenced Top Secret, another early TSR game, and, and no doubt was read prior to D&D being written. All right, so now we've got something from literature. Now, if I wanted to be a stickler about it, depending upon the game system that you were playing, maybe what James Bond did there was fail a skill check so badly that it caused an issue. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you could you could look at it either way. Yeah, that's one of the few times that something extremely bad happens. Um, but, you know, again, that's only one example that has really been presented here as an idea of a critical failure, critical fumble. And even then, if I really wanted to be nitpicky about it, yeah, hey, was it a skill check? So he could draw it because the act of drawing and the act of shooting are two separate things. Yeah, Jason? I mean, it could be that. 
But I appreciate you remembering that and bringing it up. All right, well, Jason's calling back in again, and we're continuing on with critical successes, critical failures, and we got an example here from Rollmaster. I think you you only would confirm a critical or failure potentially in a system that has a fixed thing. Critical failures always mean X. Critical successes always mean Y. If you have tables you roll on for those failures and successes, I don't. I, I think you add the graduation building those tables. Critical success, zero to five, normal damage, foes stunned one round. You know, six to ten, double damage. Eleven to fifteen, <coughs> foe is stunned and disarmed. Sixteen to twenty. Double damage and foe is stunned and disarmed. Whatever you want to make it. but So I think that graduation can be built in those critical success and failure tables. In which case, for D&D, you just switch and use Rollmaster. Because Rollmaster has the best critical tables ever. Yeah, and let's go with that. Let's say that we make tables and have fixed things that are in there. I like that idea. Um course i know you're going to bring up rollmaster whenever you can so you know there it is of course you can bring up rollmaster a lot more if you know other things occurred but you know that's on you inside joke for anybody else is listening just between me and jason eventually we'll let you in on it now this next call from jason i honestly i can't remember where we were going with it so I guess we should just listen to it and figure out maybe what I was talking about beforehand. Or hey, why don't we just hear what Jason has to say about things. I'll push back on the idea the earliest games were simple. Maybe the earliest published games when you look at OD&D. Although once you add all the supplements to it, OD&D is basically AD&D, first edition, right? So OD&D with all the supplements is not all that simple. And... Holmes BX, of course, is pretty simple. But you look at all the things that grew up around it. Look at the Arduin Grimoire, which is a very early, you know, hack of D&D. And Arduin is anything but simple with tons of tables, tons of complexity. And, you know, in the end, a much superior product. You know, we had to wait till Rollmaster to get anything that would even come near matching it. And Rollmaster doesn't match Arduin, but... Rollmaster's available, so that's why I push it, because if you could legally buy Arduin now, then, of course, that'd be the only way to play. Otherwise, it'd just be bad, wrong fun. Ah, that's where we're going, getting you to talk about Rollmaster yet again. Okay. Uh, Nothing you say in there I can argue with. You know, I've heard of Arduin. I remember hearing about Arduin back in the 80s and all sorts of stuff, and I... Just never had the desire to go hunt things down, you know. So I, I can't speak on how complex it is, how good it is, how bad it is, or anything like that, unless I really want to just fake it or something. So, you know, if you spent time looking at it, that's cool. I can't argue there. All right. I got to play another call by Jason, and it just brings up. It just brings up bad memories. Arr, ye landlubber. No doubt 
minion Gamma was shaking her head because her pappy wasn't speaking like a pirate when he was calling in. But a show without Jason, maybe it's because you have Pirate Captain Jason on the show. Ahoy! Savvy. I just don't, I'm not going to respond to that. Anyway, uh, next call from Jason is in response to Daniel Norton over Bandits Keep calling in uh, when I was going through the spell list in the uh, BX Companion deep dive that I did uh, and going through the magic user spells, the one spell that I found that was uh, the magic user gets killed and if he says how he's going to get killed and so forth like that, it has a way to come back. Daniel Norton pointed out that's what happened in the Dragon Slayer movie. I think that's what it was. And right now I'm not going to bother to look it up and everything. But Jason, in his wisdom, knows a couple things here and uh, points out an interesting uh, analog- analogy, similarity, something. That Return to Life spell you're talking about with Daniel, possibly inspired by Dragon Slayer, is in DCC, by the way, Dungeon Crawl Classics, is a patron spell for the wonderful patron, Azzy Dahaka, the um, demon lord of the sands and waste. And it's a, only a level two spell for him. It's called Kith of the Hydra. And if, like any DCC spell, you have a variety of different effects that could happen, but it effectively lets you prepare and return from the dead if you're killed. So, only a second level spell in DCC. Wow, level two in DCC. Huh. Well, there you go. I mean, I guess it depends upon the campaign, depends upon the system, the world you're in, the background. I mean, I could see where that spell could be used in, you know, at lower levels in lots of places. Maybe your patron, god... Maybe that's something that they specialize in. Oh, the person got killed. Oh, no, they came back, you know. (laughs) Could you see that for assassins? Think about that. Assassins doing something like that. That's the only spell. Huh. That'd be pretty interesting. All right, several more calls here, and they're all related. So, let's just run through them. If you want me to run a high-level D&D game, I'll be happy to do it. We'll just have to do the schedule. You know, we could even do a play-by-post when we have a chance. That might be the way to run it. You know my feelings on healing. I've talked about it on Rob's show and I think on yours before, but I think you multiply it. You don't do the one to three. You do it whatever the character's hit die is times their level. And that's the way you do healing, just because it helps even out the fact that a high-level fighter has a lot more hit points than a high-level wizard, and the fact that a first-level fighter totally heals so much faster than a high-level fighter. And I don't think just multiplying by level equals that out. I think you really need to put in their hit die in there. But that's just Jason. You know, not to poop on Dungeons & Dragons, but... I know I'm backtracking, going out of order here, but when you talk about multiple attacks and you talk about two-weapon fighting or whatever, really all that's included in the regular die roll because what's a combat round, depending on the system, it's a minute to six, six seconds to a minute, right? 
10 seconds. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at the versions you're playing. But that's a flurry of blows. But for a dragon or for a bear or something, it's specifically like a bite in two claws, right? So why is it a flurry of blows for a humanoid, but a swipe of two paws for a, you know, a quadruped? So that's kind of a, it was like arrows, you know, it's a flurry of blows, but it's a single arrow. So one, one arrow a minute too, right? So yeah, D&D combat's pretty broken, really. Now, D&D is a game and an abstraction, so even though it's obviously broken, I won't hold that against it, and I'll still play it with you if you want. I'll still even run that high-level play-by-post if you want. So, there's the offer. I'll wait to hear your response. Mwahahahaha. We've already got play-by-post going on later on, so we're just going to have to figure out a schedule of that. I don't think many of us are ready for that high-level campaign being crazy like that. We'll have to see if we can drum up enough interest on it later on. Yeah, who knows? You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Might get the bug one day and do it. Um, yeah, I know your feelings on healing like that. And I got to thinking about that. That actually does help even things out a little bit. But if I was, you know, but I think that's almost too much at times. So I would almost say... Uh, instead, you know, they get to re- they get to roll their hit die every day and recover that much instead of just the one to three if you're going to do the hit dice. You know, because that, that will speed it up. I mean, your mage is not going to be too hurt by that, but your fighter is under normal rules, but you change it to their hit dice, now they can now on average you're speeding up the healing. So at that point, I don't think I'd really multiply by the level there. Yeah, and it is an abstraction of the combat and everything. But why not? I mean, you know, why why is the quadruped only get the two claws and everything like that? Because they're not as hip and cool as the bipeds. That's why. Duh. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it's supposed to simulate a, fury, a flurry of blows and everything like that, but it's more parry and, you know, feints and things like that to put a hit on. That's that's how I think about it. It's not a flurry of blows. It's, you know, a bunch of, you know, poking and trying something out, you know, and fainting and things like that. So... That's how I envisioned the combat a little bit more. But you're right, it depends upon how long a round is in there. Alright, still some more calls from Jason. And now we're getting back into, towards the tail end of my deep dive. But here he is responding to something from the last call-in collective. Hey, Evil Jeff, just want to let you know I enjoyed the Con Collective 5, Volume 3, uh, especially the parts where you agreed with me. Um, you, you're not wrong. Beck Me really is just the, the next step in BX, and it's really a, a, a repackaging and a reworking to be more friendly to people new to the hobby. And in fact, the, you know, Frank Menser's Red Box basic set is still the standard all beginner sets and introductory sets are compared against 
It it's really is that good. Um, even if it's not my favorite version of the rules anymore, there's no question that that set, you know, sailed a thousand ships. That set brought a ton of people into gaming, and it's very important for that reason. I'm sure there are some scholarly articles on why Mincer made the changes he did in the Beckme set and what influenced that. I haven't looked those up. But the year before, Middle-Earth Roleplaying came out. And Middle-Earth Roleplaying definitely put some pressure on TSR because it was an immensely popular game. And D&D, you know, it's funny because when we think of user-friendly and we think of beginner-friendly, we think of easy concepts to wrap your mind around, D&D typically doesn't fall in that category. But Middle-Earth Roleplaying definitely is not it's a little bit more crunchy than D&D is, right? Because it's Rollmaster. So I, I I don't know that the the Mensa Red Box was a reaction to Middle-Earth role-playing, but it, it definitely was probably the right thing at the time. Um, Let me push back a little bit on that with the Middle-Earth role-playing. Because for you know, if you say it came out the year before... Um, when did it come out? And see, that's where we'd have to look at it. Because if you think, let's say it was 12 months in between. Do you really think 12 months was enough time for Metzner to redo everything? You know, add new, you know, add new wording, reword stuff, change the layout and everything. I, I mean, a year? I mean, I guess you could, but we're talking early 80s. Um, you're not doing that much on computers at that point. I don't know. That's It, it kind of seems to me like it should have been a slightly longer cycle than that. But maybe it was fast. Um, you know, what is it? Uh, the, the lady that does the Designer and Dragons or something like that. I forget what it was. But there's somebody that's already done you know a lot of role-playing history and everything. And... It may be in that book. I, I've thought about getting that series, you know, because looking at the history of gaming is, you know, kind of an interesting thing. But I, I kind of wonder, really, could that have been it? I mean, now, if you said it came, Merp came out at the very beginning of one year and then towards the tail end of the following year, so where you're pushing a 20 to 22 month cycle then yeah, I guess I could believe that. But yeah, it's just conjecture at this point. Hey, well, Jeff, Dana from Minutes keep calling in about hit points and healing. You are correct. I forgot to look it up immediately. <laughs> uh, that's cool. The player's handbook says uh, what you are looking for. And I was like, man, that sounds about right, I guess. But let me just look. And I pulled out the DMG. So I'm on the page 82, second column second paragraph down under the, the title recovery of hit points, the very last para- very last sentence in the second paragraph says, regardless of the number of hit points a character has, four weeks of continuous rest will restore any character to full strength. So I guess that's where I was getting that from. Looks like when they wrote the DMG, I guess a couple years after the player's handbook, they decided to make that change, which I don't disapprove of. I, I kind of like the idea that like, okay, it, that was a massive battle. Let's just cut forward a month and everybody's healed again. That actually makes sense to me. Um, instead of like counting it day by day. Although I do like your idea of 
of rolling 1d3 per day. And of course, AD&D is not BX. Now, how did that person sneak into this nothing but Jason call-in? <laughs> he snuck in because it's been that long since I've been doing things. We'll call it a guest appearance or a cameo. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, I think that's a... I'm glad you found that in the DM, uh, DMG there, which makes some sense. You know, let, let's say it's a month. That lends itself more to that sort of sword and sorcery feel in a way. Um, and you probably heard earlier in this call-in collective where Jason talked about his view of hit points, which I kind of like that as well, but instead of rolling the... Um, D, you know, the uh, hit dice of the person every day instead of one to three. You know, if you want to speed things up a little bit. So there, there is that. I, I think it's a useful thing. Alright, we got one more call to go. Hey, Jason here. Just want to say really enjoyed and good strong ending to the BX Companion Deep Dive, except for that part where you'd use the rules companion Cyclopedia for some things, but you probably misspoke there. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Great series. Great job. I look forward to seeing what you do next. And, yeah. So so what about that James Bond? It, it, does that count as a fumble in your book? No, I did not misspeak. I, I brought up the Rule Cyclopedia there because there were uh, little pieces in the Rule Cyclopedia that corresponded to what I was talking about and the BX Companion. Um, it's just those small little pieces in there. So I, I don't think I misspoke at all in there, but I'd have to go back and listen at this point because it's been a month. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It hasn't been a month. It's getting close to a month. All right. Well, that's it for this version of the Call-In Collective. And you've gotten your answer, Jason, and cameo appearance by Daniel Norton. And that's pretty much all the call-ins I've got. I guess I better start putting out some more content so people can call in. Granted, there's probably people out there that haven't caught up on a lot of the other podcasts. I know I haven't. I've gotten behind and trying to catch back up with some things. And then it's interesting how all of a sudden I look over and it's like, wait a minute, I didn't see this person drop you know, all of these podcasts. Where did they come from? And it's just me not paying attention. We appreciate you listening. Be safe. Be good. Game on. Have fun. Later. Thank you for calling Minions and Musings. We hope to hear from you again.